I would like to call your attention this morning to John chapter 1, verses 43 to 51, and then we will look at also Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. John chapter 1, 43 to 51 reads as follows. Next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him. He said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. He said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14 reads as follows. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, we're embarking on this new series called Beyond Colorblind, and three churches have come together to operate as one. Damascus International Fellowship, Evangelical Chinese Church, as well as University Presbyterian Church. For these six weeks, we're going to pray together, we're going to study together, and we're going to serve together, and we're going to worship together. Today, we're embarking on this series, Beyond Colorblind, and as I begin to think about the passage that I'm preaching from this morning, I begin to ask these questions. Why is it so important to embrace our ethnic identity? Can we embrace our ethnic identity too much that it becomes a form of idolatry? Why should we see color? Isn't it the fact that we have seen color throughout the history of humanity that has created the racial tension and divisions in the world today? Isn't race a social construct that we have created for our own social societal gain? What is the difference between race and ethnicity and how are they related? These are the questions, brothers and sisters, that bombarded my mind as I thought about our text today and the implications that it has or demands of us in the 21st century. 
But as we look at our passage of Scripture, we encounter two Jewish men who are pursued by Jesus to become followers. We have Philip, who has a Greek name, but he's Jewish. We have Nathaniel, who is a descendant of Jacob, but he's a man of integrity. But that, let's take a closer look at their encounter with Jesus, because there's some things I want us to see. I want us to look at this passage, this pericope of Scripture, as a movement in a conversation. And as this conversation moves, it becomes clear that Christ is intentional about what he's doing. First thing we see in the text is that Jesus found Philip and says to him, follow me. Jesus found Philip and says to him, follow me. Now, at first, first sight, we, uh, this pericope appears to be a very simple story of the selection of two disciples. But it is indeed a story that has profound implications on how we view our calling and ethnic identity. Now, as I go deep into this passage of Scripture, I need you to talk back to me. Even though we are not together physically, uh, I want you to understand I still need to hear some amens. Even in, in, in your home and in the living room, I need you to talk back to me. Amen? And so we know, we know that the most about these two disciples in the Gospel of John, uh, we know when we look at the other Gospels, they don't talk a whole lot about Nathaniel. They don't talk about Philip. But in this Gospel, we find John making a few references to Philip and Nathaniel. Uh, and it's the important role that they play in the early church. And I would venture to say today that we need Philip. We, we need Nathaniel. Because there's a little bit of Philip. There's a little bit of Nathaniel in each and every one of us. We need to know their story, and John is convinced and led by the Holy Spirit to tell us about these two disciples who appear to be mere page turners by the Holy Spirit, uh, to tell us about these two disciples on this gospel account. And so when one takes a closer look at the call of Philip and his identity, we begin to see a theme emerging in the Gospel of John. And that is, John seems to be emphasizing the fact of God's intentional activity among those who are marginalized by the prejudiced attitudes of the elite in Jesus' day. Philip and Nathaniel live on the margins of society. In other words, they are considered nobodies. One might say that Philip was born and raised on the other side of the Jerusalem tracks. There were only two types of Jewish people in Jesus' day, and that is you were either rich or you were poor. Now, if you were rich uh, and you were viewed as a true descendant of Abraham, after all, Abraham was blessed with many servants and land and many possessions. 
Therefore, to be called a descendant of Abraham meant that you were inherently blessed. On the other hand, if you were poor, if you were a poor Jew, then somebody in your family must have sinned or did something terribly wrong, and that's why you're poor and struggling to make ends meet. So I want us to see here that Philip and Nathaniel are nobodies. But Jesus, in this lesson, in this sermon, is, in this passage, is saying that you are somebody, you are valuable. Let us look at the interaction that Jesus has with Philip. It says, Jesus, Jesus found Philip where he placed him. Don't miss that, that Jesus found Philip where he placed him. God placed you where you are today. In verse 43, John tells us that Jesus decided to go to a geographical location called Galilee. In addition to that, he makes another geographical note and tells us that Philip is from Bethsaida. Now, it's very interesting that Philip has a Greek name, but he's of Jewish descent. His name literally means lover of horses. It was not uncommon for Jewish men in the Greco-Roman world to have two names, but nowhere in the other Gospels do we see that he has a Jewish name. Perhaps Philip is an Hellenist Jew or a Greek-speaking Jew, and that would make sense in the Gospel of John since most of John's audience speak Koine Greek, which is the common language of the day. But at the end of the day, Philip is exactly where God intended him to be, where God planted him. So I want us to make note of that because sometimes we're wondering, are we where God wants us to be? Are we where God placed us? And I I want you to to know today that you are exactly where God placed you. You may not want to be where you are, but for the time being, God wants you to grow where you have been planted. But another thing I want us to see in this text is that God made you who you are and who you are and where you are uh, are intertwined. God uses where you're from to shape who you are. So it matters where you're from as far as God is concerned because God takes where you're from to shape who you are. He doesn't waste anything. He takes all of that into consideration. He can use that for his overall purpose and plan. God affirms who we are. He he affirms our cultural background and our native tongue or language. You don't have to be someone else to be accepted by God. And this text implies that God has a geographical will for your life. Bethsaida was not only the hometown of Philip, but also of Andrew and Peter. And perhaps they they grew up together and were very familiar with one another. Galilee and Bethsaida were villages on the north shore of Galilee where fishermen lived. And the main trade there was fishing. You lived in Galilee or Bethsaida, more than likely you came from a long line of fishermen. 
And it also meant that you had at least one boat and two fishing nets that you inherited from your father. The smell of fish was in the air in Galilee. No wonder Jesus said to them when he began to call his first disciples, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So it is in this social context that Jesus decided to journey into and call his first disciples, knowing full well what kind of men that he would call and choose to follow him to become his disciples. Now, based on the first chapter of John, Philip is the fourth disciple that Jesus has called to follow him. The first disciple seems to be Andrew, who in turn finds his brother Peter and shares the good news about Jesus being the Messiah. And without hesitation, they both leave everything and everyone behind to follow Jesus. But here's the thing, the most striking thing about this encounter is that Jesus sees Philip for who he really is and what he has the potential of becoming. Jesus pursues Philip. Jesus doesn't have to do a job interview to figure out who Philip is as a person. He doesn't have to do, ask for any references. He already knows the character and his background. In spite of all he sees in Philip, he says to Philip, follow me. Jesus says in so many words that I know you are a very complex person, Philip, but I want you on my team. I know you're going to be pessimistic at times. I know you have a tendency to be narrowly focused and sometimes you're going to miss the big picture, but follow me anyway. I know that you are often obsessed with reasons why things can't be done rather than finding ways to do them. I know that you have a proclivity to be a pragmatist and be a cynic. I know in the coming days you will digress to a defeatist rather than a visionary mentality, but follow me anyway, Philip. I will bring out the best in you, is what Jesus was saying to Philip. I have plans for you and places for you to go and places to be, and I want you to be a witness for me. I want us to know today, just as he sees all of that in Philip, Jesus sees all of our idiosyncrasies as well. He sees the very essence of who we are and accepts our character flaws and all that comes with it. It's refreshing to know that Jesus accepts us just as we are. You see, Jesus laid his eyes on you one day and, and looked intently at the condition of your heart and your soul. He saw something in you that you didn't see in yourself, something worth redeeming, something worth restoring, something worth reshaping and redirecting for his greater glory. Jesus never looks down on you, but he looks deep inside of you to bring out the best in you. He wants you to be your best self. In order for you to be your best self, you have to bring your brokenness to him. 
Jesus already knows what's in us. He already knows the wounds, the hurts, and pains that need to be mended and healed. This is what Jesus sees in Philip, and this is what he sees in us. There's another movement in this text. Now, now, not only did Jesus find Philip where he placed him, but we also find here that Philip finds Nathaniel and tells him about Jesus. He finds him and tells him about Jesus. Philip is so excited about this encounter with Jesus that he just can't keep it to himself. He has to tell someone else, and he has to testify and share the good news with a dear friend by the name of Nathaniel. Philip's behavior after meeting Jesus conveys that he has a missionary heart. He's on mission and wants his friends to experience the life-giving presence of Jesus. Andrew Lincoln points out in his commentary that the beginnings of discipleship continue to be spoken of in this text in terms of looking for, finding, and being found. In other words, Philip carries on the process begun by Jesus because Jesus finds Philip. And now, in turn, Philip finds, goes looking for Nathaniel. The story continues, and we gotta, when we look at this text, let us notice, also notice that the text seems to indicate that Philip knew enough about the Hebrew scriptures and the prophets to know that they point to Jesus. He knew enough about the Torah, he, and he knew enough about all of the scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, to know that it points to Jesus. And perhaps having grown up in a Jewish home and hearing the teachings of the Torah, in the local synagogue, he says to Nathaniel, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Let us notice that there, that it matters in, in, in the gospel, especially in John's gospel, where people are from. John makes it clear that throughout his gospel, there's always this concept of where a person is from, where they're located, where they live. And where you are from says a lot about you. People are able to make a connection with you and understand you a little bit better. They will also make some false judgments about you, as we will see in this text, in the words when Jesus, when Philip talks to Nathaniel. But here's the thing. Philip says... Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Philip provides exactly the kind of information that positively identifies a man in the first century Palestine, the name of his village and the name of his father. It's the constant tendency of what John does. He mentions the name of the village of where he's from, and, he, and then he also mentions the name of his father. Now, when Nathaniel hears that Jesus is from this small, insignificant town called Nazareth, he raises the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip responds to Nathaniel by saying, don't take my word for it. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Philip knows that all he can do is point Nathaniel 
in the direction of the Savior and bear witness of what he has done or found to be true about Jesus thus far. At the end of the day, that's really all that we can do is bear witness to what we know about Jesus thus far. Tell your story. Share your testimony. Give people a sample of what Jesus has done for you. This is exactly what Philip does. The question comes today, who are you pursuing in order to tell them about Jesus? The Holy Spirit may be impressing it upon your heart to tell someone about who Jesus is to you. He may be leading you to share a little bit about Jesus every time you come into contact with that particular person. God is calling us to be gospel practitioners and not perfectionists. There's no perfect formula for sharing your faith. More than anything, God wants us to be real and share the hope of the gospel in the person of Jesus Christ. God wants you to pray for an open door or an opportunity to share your faith. So who are you pursuing today in order to tell them about Jesus? But there's a third progression in this text. Not only do we see Jesus finding Philip and Philip finding Nathaniel, but the next progression is Jesus sees Nathaniel's true colors his spiritual identity. Jesus sees that Nathaniel is a man of integrity, that his inner person and outer person are in congruence with one another. He sees that Nathaniel is a man of impeccable character. Jesus sees that Nathaniel's ethnic identity, uh, that it, it's something beautiful, it's something beautiful to behold because it pointed to a greater reality of his spiritual identity. He sees Nathaniel's hidden self. He sees what lies beneath the outward persona of Nathaniel. Let us also see that our ethnic identity can sometimes become a form of idolatry if it's not rooted and grounded in our Christian identity. In other words, we are Christian first, Caucasian second. We are Christian first, Asian second. We are Christian first and African-American second. Our identity is rooted in Christ before it's rooted in anything else. And so we, we have to uh, keep that in mind that our ethnic identity does not supersede our Christian ide identity. Nathaniel is empowered and affirmed by Jesus' div divine insight into the very essence of his being. Let us notice in verse 47, Jesus affirms Nathaniel's ethnic identity by saying to him with a sense of enthusiasm and excitement, here's a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus makes a revelatory statement that only God can make about an individual. He says to Nathaniel in so many words, you are a genuine Israelite. You are a true Jacob. Nathaniel is mesmerized by what Jesus has said. 
Jesus sees Nathaniel's true colors. And in the words of that great female philosopher, Cindy Lauper, I see your true colors shining through. That's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them show. Jesus sees your true colors. He sees it because he created and wired you for his own purpose. He understands you when no one else does. He gets you. Your true color is not about your skin tone, but the color of your character and the divine reality that you are an image bearer of God. Why does Jesus know us so well? Why should we embrace our ethnic identity? Why should we see color? We should see color because Jesus sees color. Because Jesus created color to be seen and not ignored. Because color and ethnicity is a gift from God. Jesus' encounter with Philip and Nathaniel tells us something very important about Jesus. Jesus has an intimate and detailed knowledge of who we are. He knows us better than we know ourselves. It tells us that we are not a mistake. You are not an accident. You were created in the image of God. Your identity is a gift from God to be enjoyed and cherished. So I want to say to this, see yourself as Jesus sees you. I want you to get that into your spirit. I, I want you to understand that, that Jesus sees you as something beautiful to behold. And so you should see yourself as Jesus sees you. In other words, be comfortable in your own skin. Don't try to be something you're not. Be who God created you to be. It's in your DNA to be different and unique. Lean into that reality. God wants you to be an original and not a carbon copy of someone else. Whenever God wants to accomplish something in the world, he takes one of his divine ideas and wraps it in human flesh. So in a real sense, you are a beautiful idea that originated in the mind of God. You are a beautiful idea that originated in the mind of God and your time has come. Psalmist tells us that God is the interior designer and decorator of our souls. He created you with a sense of great attention to details. God never runs out of creative ideas. God took his divine knitting needles and his yarn from heaven and began to knit us together in our mother's womb. The psalmist says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. He is mesmerized. The psalmist is mesmerized with what God, the creator, has done in him. He looks at his ethnic makeup and finds himself in a state of awe of what God has done. You do realize that you had absolutely nothing to do with how you were made. God didn't consult with you to get your input on what color your eyes should be. He didn't 
consult with you or to get your input or, or how tall you want, want to be. Uh, he, he, he fashioned you. He took the initiative and fashioned you inside and out. And just like the psalmist, the only thing left for us to do is praise God because his handiwork is unfathomable and too wonderful to put into words. You are unique, and there is no one like you. You can't be duplicated. You have a beautiful mind. You have a beautiful heart. You, you have a beautiful spirit that was created by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we must relish in that. We must praise God for what he has done in us and wants to do through us. But the story doesn't stop there because it, it goes a little bit further. It says, and I want us to notice the interaction, this final interaction between Jesus and Nathaniel in verses 48 to 50, 51. Nathaniel asked Jesus, and Jesus says to Nathaniel that you are a true Israelite indeed in which there is no deceit. Nathaniel asked the question, where did you get, get to know me like that? Who told you about me? Did you talk to my mama? Did you Google me, Jesus? Have you been trolling my Facebook page, Jesus? Jesus said to him, I saw you under the fig tree before you talked to Philip. At this point, Nathaniel was in a state of awe. He, he's astonished. The divine affirmation that Jesus makes over Nathaniel's life leads him to make a Christological confession, a Christ confession. In response, he says to Jesus, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus says, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, we are getting, we're just getting started. You ain't seen nothing yet. He says this to Nathaniel in so many words. He said, you, you ain't seen nothing yet. You're going to see some even greater things. And he says to him, this is what we, I want us to get into our spirit as well, is that, that Jesus gets really deep with Nathaniel and says to him, very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. And Jesus is saying to Nathaniel, the closer that Nathaniel gets to Jesus, the more he will see about Jesus and who Jesus is. And I want you to understand today that the closer we get to Jesus, the better picture we get of, our, of ourselves. We begin to understand ourselves better. As a matter of fact, the closer we get to Jesus, the more clarity we have in life about our own calling and our purpose. So Nathaniel becomes a microcosm of what Jesus wants to do in our own lives. As one writer put it, that unless a man knows God, he begins at no beginning and he works toward no end. So it's critical that we get to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It's critical that we get closer to him because the closer we get to Jesus, the more and the better we understand ourselves because we were created for him. We were created to worship him. We were created to, to relish in him. We were created to, to serve and to be used by him as an instrument for his grace and an instrument for his peace. This is what we see in Philip and in Nathaniel's life, 
that God affirms our ethnic identity and that it's something that we should, em- should embrace. And even when we come into contact with other people who don't look like us, uh, we should embrace them because they are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? Amen. I, I want to encourage you today, get this into your spirit because it will make all the difference in the world when we understand who Jesus is, we have a better perspective on one another. And we have a better horizontal relationships with one another when we understand Jesus embraces, he wants us to embrace our ethnic identity. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you, the Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear God, that he affirms our ethnic identity. He, he affirms the fact that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We thank you, dear God, that Jesus wants us to be comfortable in our own skin, not try to imitate or be somebody else. Lord, help us to live out the true reality of what God wants to do in us and what God has done in us and what he wants to do through us, dear God. Lord, we give you the glory. We give you the honor. We give you the praise. In the matchless, mighty, and marvelous name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.